0: It can be hard to know what our kids are really thinking and feeling, but when we encourage kids to engage with us in conversation, and when we lean in and actively listen, we inevitably learn something that helps us do better by them. Welcome to Dear Highlights, the podcast inspired by letters and emails from kids who write to highlights, seeking a listening ear and a little guidance as they wind their way through childhood. A short, sweet season, but also a period of heavy lifting for kids. I'm Christine french Cully, editor Editor-in-Chief of Highlights and your podcast host. I'm joined by Hilary Bates, our podcast producer and thoughtful mom of two. We're here to amplify the voices of children and to explore with expert guests many of the issues that kids and families wrestle with regularly. We're glad you've joined us. Dear Highlights, my mom highlights. and dad have dear
1: been separated for about a month.
0: We're back launching at last season four of Dear Highlights. In the same spirit as the last three seasons, we'll be talking with some wonderful guests who work with and advocate for kids in a variety of ways and who generously share their insights and expertise. If you're new to this podcast, we encourage you to check out past episodes in what is now a robust audio archive of thoughtful conversations about what kids need from the adults in their lives in order to thrive and to become their best selves. You can also now find written summaries of past episodes on our newly redesigned parenting site on highlights.com. Because the launch of our new season coincides with back to school, our first episode is about homework. Every student is assigned some, but how much is enough or too much? Is it really helpful in helping kids learn? Parents, teachers, and especially kids often have some pretty strong opinions about homework. They may not agree on how much is enough or too much, or even whether it helps kids at all. Hillary, you are a parent of two kids, uh, I bet you talk a lot about homework in your house.
1: Yeah, we talk a lot about homework and I share when the great conversation that we have today that, you know, I have kids who have very different homework experiences. I have a homework lover and a homework hater. So, well, you know, my house is divided like uh, the world is divided on the value of homework.
0: Yeah, well, will you share with us what some of our readers have told us about homework?
1: Yes, okay. So One Highlights Reader wrote and told us, my teacher gives us tons of homework each night and she even gives us weekend work. I can never finish it all on time. What can I do to get all my work done? And another reader from California, who's seven, wrote to tell us, I'm getting older, the ripe age of seven and my homework is getting harder, what should I do?" We got one very on-point letter from an eight-year-old in Texas who just wrote to ask us, what is the point of homework anyway?
0: (laughs) What is the point of homework anyway? Well, here to help us unpack that question and to share with us what research tells us about homework is Dr. Harris Cooper a Duke University professor of psychology and neuroscience, and a noted expert on the subject of homework. So let's dig in. Well, Dr. Cooper, welcome to our podcast. We're so happy that you agreed to talk to us today.
2: My pleasure.
0: So we have to ask this question first. What kind of student were you growing up? Were you the kid who reliably completed all his homework assignments, or were you the kid more likely to shirk
2: them? Well, in my family, that wasn't even an issue. Ah. We did our homework. And also, I guess in a certain way, I like to get my homework done soon after getting home from school so that I could get it out of the way and then uh, run outside and play ball.
0: Yeah, Well, so then, what made you interested in studying homework as an adult?
2: Well, there are a couple of things. Uh, One is it was a topic that there is a lot of controversy about. There is a lot of research that was done that seemed to uh, suggest different answers to the question of its effectiveness. And I specialize in doing reviews of research literatures. So not only did we do studies of kids doing homework, but we also did studies of the studies that other people had done and tried to make sense of a whole body of literature. And when I would hear people say that homework is one of these areas that is a confusing mess in the research literature, That set my antenna off and said, wow, this is an area that really could use a demonstration of how to do research reviews, literature reviews the right way. I also have to say my wife was a third grade teacher. And when I started studying homework, uh, my youngest child, I think, was about three years old. And I knew that homework was going to be an issue in our family. Uh, So it had not only a professional relevance, but a personal relevance as well. I was curious about what the research said for my own family dynamics.
1: Yeah, so you were right in the center of what many of our listeners are now, which is elementary school age kids and homework. I know that homework demands obviously vary a lot by school and by community across the country but generally speaking here in our country how much homework are most kids doing in elementary school
2: well that's a that's a good question because there is a great deal of variability so the first thing that like you said we have to recognize is that when you say how much are they doing you might be only talking about uh, middle segment, okay? Um, generally speaking, uh, teachers use what I've discovered uh, is what they refer to as the 10 minute rule. And what that means is you take a child's grade level, multiply it by 10, and that's about the, the, the anchor point for how much homework uh, a kid would be and should be doing. And most teachers do follow the 10-minute rule, okay? Um, It'll vary uh, so that on some nights kids might, a second grader might do 40 minutes or even an hour. There might be some nights when they do none. But generally speaking, teachers use the 10-minute rule as the guideline for how much homework to assign.
0: So the 10-minute rule sounds very reasonable, and you say that most teachers follow it. Yet we do hear a lot of complaints from kids about having too much homework. What do we know about the impact of homework on learning for elementary school students, and how does it impact, how does homework impact kids'
2: attitudes towards school? Uh Uh-huh. Well, a couple of things. We can continue the conversation about time. There has been recently a lot of concern about too much homework being assigned for young children. Um, So it gets outside of that 10-minute anchor, right? Uh, So we have to distinguish that from talking about what does it do for kids? What kind of impact does it have? Uh, one of the things that's important for elementary school parents to understand is that homework uh, is not going to demonstrate an immediate large impact on your child's learning. It is going to have some effect, okay? Uh, uh, kids who do homework in the second grade Uh, do better than kids who don't. But the magnitude of the effect is not the same as what it will be as they progress through school. There are a couple of key elements to that, and the most important one is what uh, developmental psychologists frequently called scaffolding. And what it means is you're laying the foundation that will assist your child as they get older, so your your e- even a six or seven or eight year old um, can learn the discipline of when do I do my homework, how well should I do it, when can I ask questions or or when uh, shouldn't I? Um, parents can help kids, and uh, uh, when it comes to attitudes a child's attitude towards homework is in many ways gonna be a reflection of their parents' attitude. And it's gonna be a reflection of the parents' relationship with the teacher. So we talked a little bit about, to me, the notion of not doing my homework uh, was never an option because I always considered, understood that my parents and my teachers were a team. And there was a great deal of respect for the teachers in our household. And what the teacher said was what we did. And I got that message over and over again. And I will tell parents today to to do that. And if they have a question about what kind of homework assignment is being given, whether it's too much, uh, they don't understand the purpose of it, that they think it may be busy work. They, what they should do is keep quiet in front of their kid with those kinds of concerns and take them directly to the teacher and have an honest conversation that begins with, I don't understand. I'm having a problem. It seems like it's too much for my kid. Why is my child doing, my third grader doing a coloring book assignment? Um, uh, and and quite often you will get answers that you'll find satisfying most teachers I'm not saying everyone but almost all teachers have a purpose and an understanding for why they give homework assignments and um, they are perfectly prepared uh, to explain it to parents when they're asked okay so Attitude, especially for young children, the first graders, second graders, third graders, conveying of attitudes and establishing attitudes towards homework and study outside of the classroom can be a very important part of why the homework assignments are being given. Self-study, parents being able to express their own attitudes and their commitment, the value of education, the establishment of how- of habits are all things in addition to seeing changes in a child's achievement, okay, uh, that homework can do. Another important thing that homework has done, And I've had m- more than one parent uh, come up to me, especially in the earliest grades, when their kid first gets to school and they're having a problem. And the teacher says, your kid's having a problem. Um, I don't know what I, I, I don't know what it is, but I think that you know they, they may. We ought to test them for dyslexia, that they're having problems with mathematics. Um, um, uh, maybe they need glasses. And my parents d- discovered that I needed glasses from work I brought home from school. Okay, and the first the first reaction that a parent will have when they hear that is defensive. No, my child is perfect. In many instances, the teacher is the first agent of society that will will interact with parents in an evaluative way. And And sometimes it's very hard for parents to hear that kind of thing. And I've had more than one parent come up to me and say, you know, we didn't realize our child might have this learning difficulty until they started bringing homework home. And then we discovered that the teacher was right.
1: You know, Dr. Okay. Cooper, I'm so glad that you brought up this issue about learning differences because one of the things I wanted to ask you is, so like you, when I was a kid, I would it would never have occurred to me not to do my homework. I was also a very successful student. In a way, doing homework was a way for me to have another experience of success at home right? I knew I was a good student. That felt good at home. That felt good at school. Mm -hmm. When I became a parent, I have a kid like myself, and I also have a neurodivergent kid who has a very different experience of school. And through that experience, I've learned that what homework means to that child who already has difficulty with school tasks is just a whole different world of things. And I wonder if in the sort of meta look at studies that you look at, if there's some untangling of what the effect is of homework for kids who have learning difficulties or kids who have other school struggles and are sort of, in some ways, extending that struggle then into their home life and with their parents and sort of into that experience. So do we have any insight about that?
2: Well, many years ago, we did a we did a study of the impact of, of learning issues on homework. Um, and what we, the, the best thing I could say is whatever roles or, or responsibilities that parents and kids and teachers have in that context, in the, in the context for kids who are performing at an acceptable, regular level in school for kids who are having difficulties, the answer is just more of the same. And what that means is not more homework. It may mean less homework, but it also means that parents have to be more vigilant as it goes on. And in many instances, actually, less homework might be, might be very important, especially starting out. And teachers have to be uh, sensitive to levels of difficulty. So when we speak about kids in the earliest grades one of the recommendations for for what homework should be especially when they're starting out so that those notions of establishing attitudes and positive habits etc has its opportunity is that the assignments should be short the 10 minute rule simple so that they lead to success kids having success at home with homework is, a, is very important. It's Homework is not serving the child well if what it means is that they're going home and getting it wrong. They're going home and struggling and ending up having an altercation with their parents. So those are those are basic established rules for all kids, but for kids who are having difficulty in school, the rules are the same, only more so.
1: That probably connects a lot with the next thing we wanted to ask about, too, which is that we're in a really historic moment for education, obviously. Kids have experienced so much disruption over the last couple years. I think our institutions have yet to wrestle with really how far behind kids are. And so there's a lot of pressure both at home and in schools right now to figure out how are we going to help kids catch up. How do you see homework playing a part in that? I think in part you've given us a clue by telling us right now that maybe new learning is not what homework is for, so much as it is sort of like reinforcement and success. So how can homework how is homework going to play in, or how should we think about it as we're looking at how we're going to help kids catch up right now? Uh,
2: first, one of the interesting things is school became homework for a year and a half. Right. Um, And uh, all sorts of um, uh, new techniques for kids to study at home were developed as a part of the COVID lockdown. Um, And kids learned things, uh, how to use uh, all sorts of technologies. Um, So so that I I think that was gonna happen anyway, and it really was already happening, but, but that got sped up. One of the things that worries me is that homework is that educators will take homework as the and think of it as a simple way to speed things up. And it's it's really not. Um, And it's not in the child's best interest if homework crowds out all of the other experiences, many of which they couldn't have before either, that involve interaction with their peers, uh, organized sports, uh, church, uh, um, uh, voluntary organizations. All of those things were shut down. Um, so we have to recognize that there are still only 24 hours in the day. Now, um, another alter- an alternative to, um, uh, to homework as a way to speed things up is to think about the school calendar, okay? And the possibility of uh, extending school years um, improving uh, summer learning and learning opportunities over summer as alternatives to simply piling on homework as a way to help kids catch up.
0: Well, Dr. Cooper, you've really helped us understand um, how much time kids should be spending on homework for optimal results. What do we know about what type of tasks have the most benefit?
2: type of tasks? Well, there are multiple tasks and it depends on the subject matter. Okay? So obviously we've talked about practice and with little kids, primary school kids, practice is number one. They're not going to have a great deal of opportunity to integrate skills, right? They're not going to be good writers. They're not going to be good readers yet. Um, So so practice is um, critical. And uh, the, they, it, it's also the case that they, you can uh, use homework with uh, other kinds of, in, in the earliest grades, it's going to be, practice is going to be really important for things like vocabulary, uh, for math, and those kinds of practicings will extend out to when students are doing foreign language. You learn foreign language a great deal of it through practice and recognition. Okay. Do you, do you remember the old, the old joke? Uh, somebody gets stopped on the, on the streets of New York City and asks somebody how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And what's the practice, answer? Practice,
0: practice, 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 practice
2: right. practice, right. So there are a lot of things that kids do that respond to practice. So practice is gonna be number one, okay? There's also the possibility of preparation. And what this means is that if you're, if you're adding two digits, then maybe the last problem on a math uh, homework says here's three digits. Can you figure out how to transfer that skill to be able to do it for three? Okay, that's an example of preparing kids. And as they get older, they're going to be, they might be asked to do something at home that um, gets used in class the next day. What does your mother do for a living? Ask your mother these questions about it. And this is your homework and write them down, and tomorrow we'll, we'll bring them in and we will talk about what parents do. Okay, so that's preparation. And then we, I talked about the integration, which is probably not going to have a lot of play in, in homework in the, in the earliest grades. And then there's always um, the communication issue, um, getting parents and their children to talk to one another and getting parents to know what the teacher is all about and what their kids are learning in school.
1: I think that some parents are very sensitive right now to how difficult teaching has been in the last couple years. Some of what we hear from parents is that they don't want to bug teachers about things that are going on at home. But I think you're identifying something so important about homework, which is it's actually such a great chance to begin to connect teacher home communication, which we know is so important for kids. What would you recommend for parents? You know, how should they start conversations with their children's teachers about what they're seeing at home about homework or their kids' homework challenges?
2: Well, first, it's respect. Um, you you communicate to the teacher, the very first thing, how much you appreciate what they do, how difficult we now understand teaching really is, um, and how you want to be part of a team. And before I said anything else to a teacher, nowadays, I would say those things. Thank you, Mrs. Smith, Mr. Jones, for for uh, becoming a committed teacher for our kids. I'm delighted my daughter is in your class. She's really looking forward to it, and I'm really looking forward to helping you teach my child. And then you're off on... And then there's none of this... Defensiveness. Um, Hope I mean, in most instances there won't be, and if there is, there is something wrong with the teacher. If that's the way you start your conversation, Um, so uh, 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 that's it. We're a team. Tell me what I tell me what I can do. Do you? Is it okay if I don't understand something? To shoot you an email. I'll tell you a story about my. Uh, my daughter and I actually have sort of mentioned two of them already. Um, in her Spanish class, she was being asked to color in the uh, um, the uh, calendar with the with the months written in Spanish. And my first reaction was, "Why is this going on?" And I spoke to the teacher, and the teacher said. Because they, they look at the word. They see it in the context of what was the month before and what was the month after. And, okay, well, uh, so she's in it is seventh, eighth grade and she's coloring, but maybe that's right. Same thing happened, I think it was in the seventh grade, uh, with the book The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay? And she had read that already in the fourth grade. And I said to myself, is this another instance of middle school curriculum going bad that they're that they're not learning anything else? So we made a phone call, but we didn't call the seventh grade teacher. We called the fourth grade teacher. And we said, hey, you know, um, our daughter is reading The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe again in seventh grade. And do you know what she said to us? Do you, you, you know the story, right? And you know it's written in a very simple language that a, maybe a fourth grader can understand. But what might they be studying in the seventh grade? They were studying allegory. And she said what their teacher is doing is she's using a story that they know and that they love and that they can now e- examine through a completely different lens. They're learning about allegory and we were done. That was it, okay, we understand. That's perfect, that's great pedagogy. It's not a curriculum gone bad. So so communication with the teacher is essential. And, the, and we have to say it both ways too. I don't know how many teachers will be watching but um uh it's it's important for the teacher to communicate with the parents about what's going on in school many teachers now have a weekly newsletter that they hit the they write it once they hit the button and it says this is what we covered the, last week this is what we're going to cover next week get ready okay that's really important and all and it, it's always teachers should say more than once, I'm here if you need me. Don't be afraid to get in touch. So the communication, facilitating the communication, goes both ways.
0: That's such an important point. And I really appreciate your recommendations on how to, how to open those conversations, how to start them, because teachers just don't uh, hear enough gratitude and appreciation from all of the rest of us. Well, Dr. Cooper, um, this has been wonderful. We like to end every podcast by asking our guests um, this question. It highlights one of our core beliefs or our primary core belief is that children are the world's most important people. And we like to ask our guests, what would we do differently um, in your field if we truly believed that? So what would we do differently in school if we truly cherished and believed that children were worthy of our most loving and thoughtful attention?
2: I think I I can answer that question like this.
0: Tell us what you're doing with your hands for our listeners.
2: Money, it's resources. It's shameful how little of our wealth is spent on our children. Um, And I, we could solve so many problems for the coming generations simply by giving them the economic attention that they need, okay? And, I, I'm gonna, uh, I, and obviously, uh, the, putting money into the education system is paramount, but also into resources for families who are struggling themselves economically um, uh, I'll say families with children because that's what we're talking about. But there are uh, childrenless families who also uh, need our help. And uh, best, the best way to serve the next generation of children is by rearranging our priorities, in particularly when it comes to where we as a society put our wealth.
0: Yes. and we're going to let you have the last word we, we agree <laughs> thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it and I know you've helped a lot of parents uh, think about homework in um, a new and different way
2: I hope so and I hope the teachers will too we're all in this together um, we are and um, we, we've got it we, we need to be together as well as be in it together so, thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: You can learn more about kids' hopes and dreams and their worries and fears from the book, Dear Highlights What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids, available on highlights.com or wherever you buy your books. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe and share the link with your friends. Special thanks to the producer of this podcast, Hillary Bates, and also to our audio engineer, Ted Weckbacher.